So I think everyone can hear you all if you're loud enough. So for everyone who's listening this week, why don't you scream hello? Right, miss all of you who aren't here today. All right, April 12, 1861 was a big day for our country. It was the opening shots fired for the American Civil War, which signified, gosh, such a horrible division in our country. We feel like our country is divided now. You go back to April 12, 1861 to start the Civil War. Three months after that, in July 10, a tragedy struck the life of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He uh, would soon become the most famous poet in the world. And July 10, 1861, his wife, Fanny, of 18 years, uh, was using some hot wax to seal some envelopes, and a flame flickered onto her dress and lit her on fire. And uh, Henry heard... Fanny in the other room and ran to her aid and uh, tried to smother out the flames with his own body. Um, And uh, she did not survive. She died the next day. Uh, Henry's body was burned pretty badly as well. And he was so um, sick that he could not even attend his wife's funeral. So Henry fell into a pretty huge depression. Understandably so. Have you ever had just one of those years? You thought this year could never end. Nothing else could happen in this year to make it any worse than it is now. So the death of Fanny marked kind of a turning point in Henry's life, and his physical appearance changed. And we know the pictures of Henry with his huge beard, and that that is because of the burns on his face. He grew that beard to cover up the burns on his face. And he was so uh, grief-stricken from his wife's loss that he was afraid his friends would put him in an insane asylum. Um, It had taken him, he actually, Fanny was his second wife. His first wife died as well 18 years earlier. Not 18 years, about 25 years earlier. Um, It took Henry seven years to win Fanny's uh, love. She was not going to have it. Um, it took him seven years for her to say yes, and that 18 years of their marriage was the best 18 years of his life. So a year after she died, we have a writing from Henry. He says, I can make no record of these days. Better leave them wrapped in silence. Perhaps Sunday God will give me peace. Christmas Day, 1862, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote, A Merry Christmas, say the children, but that is no more for me. A few months later, April of 1863, Henry's 17-year-old son, Charles, one of his six children, ran away from home to join the military and fight for the Union Army against Henry's wishes. And you can understand why Henry would not want his son to do that. After losing his wife, he could hardly bear the thought of losing his son as well. In November, Henry received a letter that Charlie had been shot, and the bullet missed his spine by an inch. And uh, so Henry left home to retrieve his wounded son, and he nursed him back to health over the next six months, and he survived. That was a rough year as well for Henry. So Christmas Day, 1863, a year after he said these words, he wrote a poem 
called Christmas Bells, and it was inspired by the bells that he heard from the church at Christmas time. And this poem later became a song, and it was put to music, and um, it was made famous by Bing Crosby, uh, Burl Ives, Frank Sinatra. They recorded this, his poem into a song, and it became famous, and we know that song as I heard the bells on Christmas Day. And the poem starts out with, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth and goodwill to men. Faced with the horrors of uh, the Civil War, the tragedy of his wife's loss, the political division, racism in the country, he wrote a stanza in that poem that is almost always left out of the song. That stanza reads, Then from each black accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned, peace on earth, goodwill to men. In light of this war going on in the country, how can we say peace on earth? The cannons are drowning out the sound of peace. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. I think we can find some solidarity with Henry Sometimes the holidays are not the most wonderful time of the year, as Andy Williams claims in his song. Sometimes it's not a time of joy and cheer. We want this time of year to be filled with the joy of holiday traditions and feelings of excitement and warmth and anticipation and friends and family. We want the Buddy the Elf Christmas cheer. We want the, I planned out our whole day. First, we make snow angels for two hours, and then we'll go ice skating, and then we'll eat a whole roll of Toll House cookie dough as fast as we can, and then to finish, we'll snuggle. That's the Christmas we all want, right? Sometimes we're not feeling it because of the tragedies, the hard stuff of life. Although maybe eating a whole roll of cookie dough might make you feel better. <laughs> Sometimes we're just not feeling it. We long for peace. Peace in our minds, peace in our emotions, peace in our relationships. We long for peace in our country, peace in our politics. Last week we lit a candle for Advent, and that candle was the light of hope. That we all carry within us a hope. that the hard moments of life will not overcome. That we all carry within us a hope that Christ, the light of the world, will bring love and wholeness and restoration to our lives and our world. And this week we light a candle, the Advent candle of peace. And it is not just representative of our longing for peace. The candle of peace represents the peace of Christ that is already within your very soul, that is already a part of who you are. 
The peace is not something we just wait for to come. That peace of Christ is already here. That peace made itself known in the form of a baby 2,000 years ago. During that time in the ancient world, they had what was called Pax Romana, and it was Latin for the peace of Rome. Peace in the ancient world meant Roman military might. It meant that anyone who stands against the superpower of the day will be killed and murdered. That was peace. And in that world, a baby was born to a teenager. They had nowhere to go. So they had the baby in a stable surrounded by animals and feces. And this was to be the king. A direct threat to Caesar, a direct threat to the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, because this king, so it was said, would be peace for the whole world, but not the Roman kind of peace where we kill everyone who stands up against us, where we kill our enemies and fight back. This peace would come from somebody who taught to love your enemies. This peace would come by turning the powers of our society upside down and giving worth and value to the marginalized. That's how the peace would come. And this peace of Christ is within each of us. Last week, we talked about hope. We talked about Isaiah. Isaiah was written uh, 700 years before Jesus in a time when Isaiah's people had been deported and killed. And the temple in Jerusalem, which was like the foundational point of all of the uh, Jewish people. They built their identity and who they were around this temple, and it had been all but destroyed by the Assyrians. And Isaiah, the prophet, writes to his people, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. There is hope when it seems dark. And he goes on a couple chapters later to give a glimpse of what this world will look like when peace truly does reign. He will give justice to the poor, make fair decisions for the exploited. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion and a little child will lead them all. And the cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. A little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain for as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. And in that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. What a picture of peace. Isn't that adorable?
What an image that Isaiah paints for his people. A world where there will be no more violence. No more destruction. There will be wholeness and restoration. We as followers of Jesus throughout history have recognized Isaiah's prophecy began its fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ who came to bring peace to the world. Paul writes in Colossians, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. That word rule in your hearts, the Greek word rule literally means umpire, like a sports umpire who makes the call, makes a decision. So the picture is when you're in a moment, a situation where you have a choice to respond and act out of fear and ego, Paul is saying, let the peace of Christ be the umpire that makes the call for how you live, how you respond, how you're going to act in this moment. Don't let your ego make the call. Let the peace of Christ that is in your soul, the very core of who you are, make the call. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow ended his poem with a stanza that represents the hope and the peace that we all carry and hold. Despite all that he had been through, despite all of his tragedies, then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. As Matthew, Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, you are blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. A lot of translations will say, blessed are the peacemakers. Theirs is the kingdom of God. We are to set the example for this world of what it looks like to live in peace with one another as much as we can. It's not always possible. There's a lot of conflict and hurt. It's not always possible. One of the letters that Paul wrote, he said, as much as it... As much as it can be peaceful um, as far as what you are responsible for in the situation, then live out of that peace. Live out of that peace that is in you. Prayer of St. Francis, who lived 1200s, said, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Let that be our prayer as we take communion. The bread and the juice will be a representation of the peace of Christ in our hearts. And Kylie is going to sing this song if we can get the kids in here.
Jesus. The night before he was to face anything but peace with his crucifixion and his torture, he met with his friends in the upper room and he broke bread. He said, this is my body broken for you. No matter how violent and conflicting this world will be, you will be representatives of peace on earth. With that peace comes joy and kindness, caring and compassion and laughter. Be reminded that that peace is within you now. No matter what your emotions are saying, no matter what your body is saying, your soul carries the peace of Christ, the wholeness of Christ. So he poured the wine. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. And every time you eat and drink, remember me. So today we remember the peace of Christ that is in us. Kevin, would you help us? As you walk by the Advent candles, let your prayer be one of, may your peace and hope be in me. May your peace and hope be in us. Yeah.
bells or loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The bells of Christ, of peace, of hope, ring louder than the cannons of war and racism and prejudice will always ring louder. So may we all together shout, peace on earth, goodwill to men.